or there's a room over here for two to four-year-olds that does not, that is not manned with care. So I think families are actually able to take their kids over there and play if they want to. So just truly welcome you guys. But there is a family, there's some families that are there. So you guys, I think there's a, a family in there that's willing to help. So we have been having um, a pretty amazing series. Um, if you guys, if some, if some of you are new, I just want to welcome you again. My name is Nicole. We have a, a great team of elders, and I just I'm going to get a chance to share today a little bit at the end of this amazing chapter on love. But if some of you came in a few weeks ago, you might have seen these question marks in the church all over, and that was kind of like what are, we were talking about gifts. What are God's gifts? What are your gifts? And as we wrapped through, we got to this part. We just decided to kind of hover over a little bit in 1 Corinthians 13. And I don't know what you guys think, but sometimes I've even heard it kind of like the love chapter. I mean, if I say that, many people, not raised in churches, maybe just in a like a nice poem. You've seen it etched on some kind of like ceramic plaque at a store, and you might have seen those, those kind of famous words that, that Ray tried to teach last week, saying these were way more, it's way more difficult to try to live them and ask how you're doing than just being like, love is patient, love is kind. You know, it's like, oh, that's so pretty, until you're like, wait, that's, you know, am I that? Um, I, I actually saw something pretty funny, though, which is, if, you, if I say that, the First Corinthians, the love chapter, um, it's actually not about weddings. And even though there's beautiful things about us, I mean, throughout the Bible, when you look at love, like almost the huge majority is God's love for us. God's rescue plan for us. You know, and there is a way of us being like, I need to do, I need to be, I need to interact something. And I would just love to kind of remind us as we hit some of these things, the overarch here has been that God has been pursuing us and loving us from the beginning and where this passage goes to till the end. Um, it's interesting just like when I said the love chapter. Um, I just, you know, for example, there's places in it. But First John is also one of the other books that's really known. And I know that if you were here a few weeks ago, Dave Wallen was kind of unpacking some of that. But First John says, this is love. Like, he's like, you want to know what love is? Like, let me give you a definition. This is love. He loved us. This is, sorry, I'm reading out of 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read this this time out of the Passion. Just let it hear if you want to, but this is 1 John chapter 4. He's saying, this is love. He loved us before we loved him. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrifice, sacrificial offering to take away our son. And it's just a, you know, this is a bit counterculture. Like he's saying, actually, this is what love is. God loved you before you loved him. 
And that's one of the things I just want us to keep hearing. When we were doing and talking about spiritual gifts, um, we were looking at these big, you know, amazing passages. And at the very end of of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul ends it out by saying, he says this thing, he's like, I want to, you should be eager for gifts. Like, it's good, because he's talking about how the gifts that God gives you are meant for each other. And he's saying, you should actually want these. You should want gifts from God. But then he actually says, he's, I'm going to show you a way that's beyond comparison. Some translations say, like, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. Um, just, I mean, it was funny. My kids and I were watching, a, you know, the, the Mandalorian, this, these kind of quotes, like, this is the way. And it's like, you know, and there was so much, like, wow, this is very, like, elements of God, but, like, in a very secular way. But I, that's not new. You know, there is, a, there is stuff that has been in the world saying, oh, this is, this is what love is. You know, you have to give this. You have to be like this. So when God's love comes out here and he's saying, this is love. Two little quotes that I read here. One was an, um, a theologian, G. Campbell Morgan. He actually said that when you examine this chapter, though, specifically talking 1 Corinthians 13 now, he said, it's like dissecting a flower to understand it. Um, if you tear it apart too much, you lose its beauty. Which I was like, ooh, ouch, that's my little correction yesterday. Like, as, or as I, was, I found that quote yesterday because as I was kind of pulling it apart, it was like there is a beauty that is in here about what love is. Now, Alan Redpath actually said, one could actually get a spiritual suntan from the warmth of this chapter. So as I get ready to teach this, I just want to pray that for you guys. Lord, we believe in the power of your word. We believe in the power of your love that has been relentless, that has gone after us from the beginning of days, that there is There has been pursuits that we have seen, but pursuits that we have not seen. You said you loved us before we loved you, before we thought of you. So, Father, I pray right now for, seriously, some of that spiritual suntan that might just come out. looking now. You guys good? Ooh, yikes. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13. Ray and others were teaching through. I'm just going to kind of catch at verse 7 to the end. All right, so I'm going to, as I read that, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 to the end. Verse 7 says, love, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, 
always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. Okay, I'm going to pause for a second before I keep reading. We're gonna, I'm going to read in a little bit. That was just looking at NIV. I am going to read just for the, some of the beauty of the words out of the Passion Translation. I, I, I personally find it helpful to look at multiple translations, and sometimes this is just like, oh, wow, this is beautiful to see where this is hidden here. But even as we were singing, love never fails, right? We were, we just, we were just sitting singing that. So if I look at verse 7, though, it actually has, we've just, you know, if you, you know, look at your eyes above that part, it was like, love is this, love is that, love is this. But it gives you then four kind of more things. Love is, you know, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And in, um, in the other version, it talks about it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. The word that on, like, love bears something, it actually can mean cover. Like, love, love can actually cover you. And, and we actually can see that in God's word. But... Spurgeon actually wrote, uh, I read this that he wrote, and I was like, wow. So I want you guys to imagine, you guys have probably all heard how a pearl is made, right? You know, you, I mean, okay, naturally pearl is made, but even, even man-made pearls. So this is Spurgeon writing. He says, my brothers and sisters, that we could all imitate the pearl oyster. A hurtful particle intrudes itself into the shell, and it vexes, and it grieves it. It cannot eject the evil. And what does it do but cover it with a precious substance extracted out of its own life, by which it turns the intruder into a pearl? And as he says, oh, that we could do so with provocations we receive from our fellow Christians. So that pearls of patience, gentleness, long-suffering, and forgiveness might be bred within us by that which has harmed us. These all sound so beautiful. But if, if, if anything in you, maybe for your own heart, felt a little like, like that's, it's beautiful when you're not trying to walk that out. When you're not, because he actually said, oh, this thing comes in your life. And it, it's not like, oh, this is easy. It's saying it vexed us. It grieved us. And, you know, so this beautiful thing that's saying love can actually do this for us. And where I just want to leave you with this, this is like a tiny bit, which is we were, a few weeks ago, my husband and I did a, a training on just actually peacemaking. How, I mean, the scriptures say, you know, blessed are peacemakers. And one of the, the good slash hard things was this leader has actually worked with church leaders, Christian leaders, 
and all over. And he was saying so much of hurt and conflict. Like he was, his, his perspective was about 70%, 75% of this could actually be settled with that person and God alone. If they would actually take heed to like actually go to God and look at all these places, what, what God is saying about, you know, what does God say to me about how I, I you know, it's like these scriptures saying he loved me while I was still a sinner. I mean, it's just, it's so hard when we get in that place to remember I'm, I'm hurting. And so I just want to encourage you in this place when it's saying, this is what love is. It actually can believe well. It can hope in something. Now, something that Daniel and I have often just kind of found a, a, a verbiage in our wording when we talk to each other is like, it's like we've got to believe the best. And that doesn't mean I check my brain out. That doesn't mean I um, just excuse evil, honestly. But I have found this place of being like, love believes the best. And I am embarrassed how many times I don't. And I mean, maybe you're like me, but sometimes we will literally be like, no, I know why they did that. I know they called, but they didn't mean to call me. They had to. I know. And I will start taking like almost the role of God, of acting like I'm the Holy Spirit. I know. And so sometimes, you know, Dan will just be like, are we believing the best? And two times in this last month, and these were small, like really small. I was part of a WhatsApp group that was told, like, you can't invite anybody. Like, you have to ask. It was a very small little WhatsApp group. And I kind of, I had, I had basically broken one of the little rules of this WhatsApp group and kind of got told, like, hey, that's not what this WhatsApp group is for. Fair enough, because if you've ever had one that has people start throwing, you know, memes and this and that. So they were kind of like, these are the parameters of why we have this group. I was like, okay, fair enough. I kind of, I did, no, I didn't put up a goofy meme, but I did something. I was like, okay, I'll take correction. And then I saw somebody else do something that I was like, and she's the one who told me I'm wrong. And I made a comment and I was like trying to act like I was going to even be above this, believe that, I don't know. And then Daniel made a comment and he's like, are you sure that you're seeing that correctly? Okay, and we were, I was about to walk into a meeting to just address the issue, just, just to bring it up, like, hey, didn't we agree on this? The kind of feeling like, you know, and uh, one was Dan asked me to believe the best, but then actually I realized I was wrong. I was like, oh my gosh, wow. It is so easy to assume you've got it, that you can see it. And I think that's a beautiful and hard challenge about what does it mean when love, you know, love bears all things. It believes all things. And it hopes all things. Yeah. And hard, you know. And, I mean, multiple times I've been in this time where I am confident that I can actually gauge someone's intentions. I mean, and I've actually heard is that we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others, you know, by their actions. So if I'm like, but it's okay I did that because I didn't intend to. 
Like, so, like, we can give ourselves grace. Like, oh, but I didn't tend to be grumpy because, you know, I, I, I didn't sleep well and blah, blah, blah. So we're, we're always kind of giving ourselves that space. But we're, we can be overly quick to not give that grace. And so, again, I just think about where belief. For me in that, like, it is a bit of believing the best. And I've kind of worded it, be like, I can't be the Holy Spirit. I actually don't know their intentions. You know, even, you know, however they've moved that. So I've got just a few more points I'd like to look at about, as we go in, about just genuine love, love never failing. I'm going to read, so now I'm going to read out uh, the, uh, the last of 1 Corinthians 13. Out of the passion, love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It's more enduring than tongues, which one day will fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries, as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now. But one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Now, sometimes, like, for some of you, like, we know this part. We've read this. So hearing it a little different, because you're like, you might have even known certain phrases that you're like, I know what that is. Like, okay, yeah, the love passage. It talks about, started off with, don't be like a gong, and you need love. Then it tells you what love is. And then it kind of ends with this, like, hey, you don't fully see it all, but faith, hope, and love, they remain. You know, that's kind of like, whoosh. <laughs> Now, as I was looking about this, this love never failing, love actually lasts. Um, I, I was struck by something about just, okay, these three pursuits are like what we want to actually live out. And I'm not going to claim to be a Bible expert on all these things. So I did do, and maybe you've done some of these readings, what the Corinthian church was going through. And this is actually helpful sometimes to understand where the writing came and why it did. Because it seems that the Corinthians were really focused 
actually on having these gifts, these spiritual gifts and kind of elevating them. And that's what makes chapter 13 so interesting sandwiched as we've been talking about how often God will put in the center of things, these moments of like, here's the important sandwiched in chapter 12 is all about gifts. 13 reminds you kind of the meat of it. Like if you don't have love in this, it's, it isn't doing it. And 14 goes back into gifts. So, and so this passage is in no way saying don't want gifts. So when it says, Hey, these won't always last. That's not the teaching point. I do not see, nor do I believe it's saying you shouldn't want the spiritual gifts. But I think that's really interesting is sometimes people can start pursuing, like, I'm pursuing miracles and power and gifts. Like, those are the three. I'm going after the kingdom. But actually, 1 Corinthians is saying, go after faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest because it can, what I love to thinking about this, why love is the greatest because it can continue Love can even keep growing through eternity. Like, why does, why is it love never fails? It always keeps going. Why is it saying these other things are going to kind of find their limit? There's something about here, like, man, if you kept pushing after this and said, I want to grow to know more about God in this, I'm not saying that you don't, you know, figure out how, what is my gift and how I use that in the church. But Paul clearly is saying, here's something for you guys. This doesn't stop. You know, and love, as we were, I read it earlier in 1 John 4, you know, God is love. It's the attribute. It's saying God actually is love. Like God is love. So pursuing and understanding him. So when it's saying, you know, love never fails. Now, one thing I would like to bring up um, that I found in this passage, and maybe you won't, maybe you will or won't have seen it just initially. But being loving and loving isn't the same as just being positive. It's, it can actually even be like this. There's, if you do articles, you'll hear people talk on podcasts. You know, there's a term I've heard in the last few years, even toxic positivity. Maybe you've heard that. Um, We're not immune to that, to putting a little glass over it. How many of you heard is, everything happens for a reason. You know, when you're going through something really hard, really awful, and someone's like, God's in control. I don't know, how do you feel in that moment? You know, when we've really walked at that space. What is love in, you know, I'm, I, I mean, I know my own story, you know, and this is like, you know, you know, some people will say, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. Jesus tells us not to worry. You maybe you've even heard just Jesus is the answer. We all just have to love him and love each other. That's it. You guys, all of this is actually good and to a place. It's not that it's not. That's what's so hard with some of this. It rings true, but 
if you have walked just a little bit of life, if you can hit your space when you have been in a valley, how many times has that actually felt loving? Because to me, when it says love never fails, love bears all things. That doesn't mean it tells you, don't worry. I mean, first of all, how many people have stopped worrying or calmed down when someone says, hey, calm down, calm down? Like, okay, just truly in your life, I know I'm, my family is here. This is scary. How many moms have been like, be careful? You know, we just make this like platitude out, but like, don't worry. But what is it that actually stops me in that spiral? What is it to get this? And honestly, this is bigger than I can go into, but I would, I guess I would like to bring in a few things that I have kind of learned And I think some of you would relate to this, is that it doesn't mean, I'm not saying to you, don't love. because. But I think that there's an interesting thing about love as, like, actually acted out, like, for example, in compassion. I um, sat through, gosh, years ago, couldn't find my notes. I looked this week. I'm like, that's okay. I've got the idea. Because I remember being in this, it was a, a Christian counselor who was actually talking about what is it like when someone won't listen to you and they and they won't let you hurt or grieve and that's really hard when you kind of feel like i've got the answer god is love you know i know the end of the book it's going to be okay but and one of her things was just talking about it is so important for us to just to, to acknowledge that is really hard And some of us feel like we've got to put in the hallelujah, God is so good, we always trust him, in all things give thanks. You know, know, and we're trying to something kind of work it up for ourselves. But I, and I can't tell you how to do this, but I would love to say that I think love is way bigger than just being like, "Mm." you know, and so if you, if love bears all things, if it never fails, if love is that big, so some of this could be, what is compassion? And just mentioning, like I said, this is, would be a bigger topic, but lament. Lament, if you know, we, we actually got a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. There's many, many Psalms that when you're in a happy space, they're actually kind of like, you're like, ow. He's in a bad mood. Are you allowed to say those things and put them in the Bible? You know what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? He's like, where are you? Why have you been so far from me? How long? You know, in Psalm 31, David says, he tells the Lord about his grief. He says, be merciful to me, Lord, for I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. I love that the Psalms actually sometimes give us these words, these places to go that say, you know, what if, you know many of the, the, the theologians will talk about how it's almost like sometimes they are spinning, but almost always they somehow at least get themselves toward God. It doesn't mean I've got, I don't have a little perfect bow on this. 
but I do know what it's been like for me in my hard, hard moments. And it is weird when, those, when someone has either just said as simple as, I am so sorry. It just hurt with me for a moment. Anger and fear and outrage and terror and sadness are actually often portrayed as kind of like enemies of faith. Like if you have those feelings, like are you, do you have faith? But I don't believe these are actually an enemy of faith. It's actually part of us being human, God created. And when we suppress, when you just try to push down, like I, I didn't feel that. No, that's not godly. That's not right. Um, we often end up worse for this stuffing. So this, this next little bit is just a, you know, outside the, the church, but true psychologically. I mean, here was a research, a psychological study. These group of researchers, they, just, they took two groups of people, and with one group of people, they showed them kind of distressing medical procedures. And this group was just allowed to express what they were feeling. Just, you know, how does that make you feel? Whatever. Just the second group, they were asked to refrain. Just watch these medical procedures, but we're asking you just refrain. You know, don't let that, just don't refrain from any emotion. And then through psychological indicators, the group that suppressed the emotions, they had actually had way more of a stress response in all of their body than the other group that was actually encouraged to, to emote. I have this, like, non-preached message that's, like, roving in my brain that one day I will study it more, but I've actually thought about the questions that God asks, the questions that Jesus asks. I mean, if you look, God and Jesus seem to be way more interested in asking us questions. You think about Adam and Eve. He didn't ask, where are you? Because he didn't know where he was. With Hagar, where are you going? Where have you been? Here's a woman who's in trauma. She's struggling. Adam and Eve, they're hiding. They're afraid. You know, there's lots of reasons I think God engages these. God asks us questions not to interrogate us and make us feel frightened, but I think there's some of it, like, what's really going on? Where are you? Where have you been? And there is a place that that is actually love. It's funny, but this is just how I'm going to end this. <laughs> um, so the, the passage says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And, and I read that part of the passage, you know, about you see in part, you know in part. I used to be a kid. Like, I was a kid. I've been learning. I... <laughs> I've had this weird love over the years that my husband was like, what? are you watching one of those videos again? Okay, so what does he mean when am I watching one of those videos? Because usually I'm tearing up. You know, I'm like, yeah, no, I watched one. Sorry. 
So what's one of those videos that I, that's been one of my little relief valves. Why has this touched my heart? It's these videos, if you've ever seen on YouTube, it's these people who are colorblind. <laughs> my kids are laughing. Um, and they, there's a type of, okay, and again, I'm not going to get behind the science. There are certain types of colorblindness, but these, these sunglasses can actually help these people for the first time distinguish and actually see color. And, you know, YouTube is rife with many of these videos. <laughs> um, but what I have loved about these videos is I've watched these people, they, they often will literally, they'll put them on and they'll throw them off. And then they'll put them on and they'll look. And then, you know, there's a few that just like, there's this like older guy who's, you can tell he's just this strong, burly man. And he literally starts punching himself. He's just like, because he doesn't want to cry. He's trying so hard because it's like, it's so beautiful, you know, and he's trying in everything in him because like, and yet what is so cute is you, he, it's like, he can't stop himself. And it's like, he just starts going for like a leaf, you know, and a flower. And he's like, that, that, that's yellow. And he's just, tears are running down his face. You know, then there's this other lady, anyone, and, and I thought about showing you, but a lot of times there's a lot of background stuff. But the point, like, I just remember this lady, she's just crying, and she's like, she's just like, you know, and she can't, she, you know, they're, they're physically holding themselves, and they are overwhelmed and usually literally have to come back and forth because color, something that you and I are not that struck by right now because we're seeing it all the time. So there's probably multiple lessons in that, but my takeaway for you guys, I think God's love is like that. It is so much better than you can imagine. His relentless pursuing love, when we say, you know, this, most passages are about God love for you. I think his love for you is so much bigger than you can imagine. And that if we got, when Paul wrote this, like, guys, we want prophecies. I love, I've been given prophetic words that have helped steer parts of my life or brought life in it. I've had words of knowledge. I use that term meaning I was in a really bad time one time, feeling so unknown. And a stranger sees me and says, I see you like this. Now, she's telling me something I know. Why did it mean so much? Because it reminded me that God could see me. But that, this part of 1 Corinthians saying is one day all of that kind of stuff, because we aren't going to need it, because we're going to be in that presence of God. It's so much more than you know. It is so much bigger than you've expressed. And so as I, as I finish, I'm just going to pray for two things. One is just kind of that place of if you're needing that kind of compassion, love. Again, I do believe God wants to give it to you. Walking around and telling someone else, like, don't do that to me. It rarely helps. You know, I know when I was working on this, I've been on a kick for many, many years, as some of you guys have been just the power of gratitude and thankfulness. But if I try to make someone thankful, it rarely works. And I think, you know, it's, it's hard when someone is unloving towards you. 
So that's like when I, I go back to this beginning of the message. Some of me is coming back to remember, God help me. Could I, can I, like an oyster, take that hurt and allow God to cover some of this? I'm not saying excusing evil, but I think there's, there's a lot of work that we need to do between us and God before we go to the other person and be like, you know, you've hurt me. You weren't faithful. You didn't show up. You, you know, you, 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 whatever. And just like, did I spend the time before the Heavenly Father? First part. If you are hurting, though, I'm going to pray just that God will show you his compassion. Because maybe some of those words that you heard, like, hey, God's in control, and you're hurting, and it's making you run from him. I'm going to pray for that. You know, and just, you know, I want to leave you on the blessing that I believe the love is bigger. So, Father, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you you want to expand our understanding of how big your love is for us. Thank you for words like this that are meant to become alive and true, like an active like an active place to stir in us. And so, Father, right now, if some of us know I need to let love cover, I need to let love cover hurts that I've taken in. God, I just want to pray for those people, that those people would know, hey, between you and God, you can come before him. You don't have to hide it. You can actually come to God. And so I just want to bless you even as maybe you symbolically in your mind just imagine like, okay, God, I see that thing that I'm struggling with. Let it be before the, the Father. Like, let it be and ask him, God, if in natural, an oyster can actually do that, it actually starts to cover it. God, would you do something in these people right now that are hurting and thinking, I don't know how, but I need to give it. Holy Spirit, come there. And Jesus, I thank you that this kind of amazing believing, hoping, hoping is not shallow, it's quick, um, without thought. Thanks. Thank you that you are a God of compassion. Lord, thank you that over and over throughout the Old and the New Testaments, we see a God that asks questions. That says, do you want to get well? Where is your brother? Where have you been? Where are you going? Father, I just pray that your words, if some of those would just sweep over the body right now, we say, God, thank you that, like David, some of us might say, my soul hurts, God. I don't have an easy answer right now. Jesus, thank you that those questions were not accusations. They were a God engaging with his children. 
Father, I believe you are in love speaking to us. In love, you're saying to somebody, man, when they said God's good, when you feel awful that you said, I don't know if he is right now. God's love is so much bigger than you can imagine. You don't see it fully. It's okay. When you're a child and you speak like a child, having childish ways because you're young, but as we're growing, Father, I pray for these us. I pray for myself, God, that I would keep saying, Lord, I need you. I see you. And when I don't, I need to look. Yeah, Jesus, thank you again. That these things remain. Faith. Hope. And love. And the greatest of these is love.